Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Spider-Man Years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And today, Sonia, we're on the fourth episode of Spider-Man, the animated series, Dr. Octopus, Armed and Dangerous. Mm -hmm. This is the introduction of one of the most classic Spider-Man villains there is. Um, it made me, watching this episode made me really appreciate how wonderful most of the Spider-Man villains are. His rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. I think it. I think it's fair to say that rivals are even arguably tops Batman's rogue villains, uh, rogues gallery of villains. Mm. You know, in Spider-Man, you've got Doctor Octopus, who's great. Um, you have the Vulture, Kingpin, Venom, Carnage. Uh, there's even like more classic ones. I'm like forgetting. Hobgoblin. Right. Yeah. Green Goblin. Green Goblin. Rhino. Uh, a Sandman. Like, all these, like, great, like, wonderfully colorful characters that are all kind of demented and, like, have their own interesting, unique personalities. Right. Um, Dr. Octopus is, like, I guess clearly among the most classic and best. The Lizard, another one. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have green coloring, which as I'm, like, thinking back on them. Like, um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, watching this episode, it was just kind of, like... It just reminded me how much I like seeing Spider-Man's classic villains and him tangling with them. Mm -hmm. You know, they all present sort of like a different physical challenge for him in a, in a lot of ways, you know. You know Spider-Man's athleticism is always um, uh, challenged in, like, new and exciting ways. And Dr. Octopus, like, presents lots of exciting action possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this episode opens... With uh, Peter, who is just fresh off his Spider Slayer uh, adventures, which he comments on in a voiceover. And he's immediately going on a date with Felicia Hardy again. We've seen him with her before. She's actually kissed him thus far. Right. Well, as we track Peter's romantic life. Even though it wasn't life. technically a date. She was on a date with Flash Thompson that time when she kissed him. Right. And but... she, she was just, like, weirdly into Peter, you know, like. In that episode... You know what's weird? Yeah. Like, the way he's drawn... Peter Parker is, like, really... Like, he's bulky, you know? Yeah. He's, like, really massive and, like, muscular looking. Right. And I feel like when he's drawn in the Spider-Man costume, he's... I mean, he's still muscular, yeah. but, like, his body size seems more to decrease. I think... Not as much of, like, a burly football player I think... Type. I mean, he is definitely burly in the show, perhaps more than most media we see him in. But he it is the mid-90s, and he's wearing a lot of bulky clothing you think he has shoulder pads <laughs> you know like those polyester weave you know uh, polo shirts he wears and big like big flappy khaki pants which were the style at the time <laughs> you don't know they're polyester they could be cotton right it could be cotton <laughs> but you know what i mean like those ralph Lauren type striped shirts you know i had one of those shirts as a kid uh, so you think it's just like the spider man outfit is more form-fitting yeah i think that's just part of it in this uh -huh. case okay um but yeah, it's funny because in the last episode, it ended with him meeting Mary Jane. Right, and they were like real excited to go out on a date together. Right, so he's no mention of Mary Jane in this episode. I I've, I brought up previously that some of the episodes were aired out of order, at least with season one. Um, I don't know if this is a victim to that. I mean, they do reference the Spider Slayers right at the top, but it yeah. is a voiceover, so maybe they had to clean it up, narratively speaking. But, or it could just be adding to the drama of Peter Parker's love life. Right. His multiple love interests. Yeah. Um, I like that they touch on the theme that she's very rich and Peter is, comes from more modest uh, means. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I just feel like that's part of a lot of people's experiences with when they're first starting to date as adolescents or teenagers or young adults. Mm -hmm. Where you, you meet lots of different people from different 
you know, backgrounds, cultures, socioeconomic uh, levels and things. And it's all, it's all just part of the, like the young twenties, like my whole world is changing excitement factor thing. Hmm. And uh, it's just kind of like, it's one of the unique charms of Spider-Man, the character in general, is because he's often in that zone of being just like a, a young person, either as a teenager or as a guy in his young 20s. And you, the, the, whoever the writers are usually do a really solid job of just making you relive that time. You know, mm-hmm. maybe in your, at least I can like relate to it in my own life of just connecting to just that feeling and that energy and excitement of being young and, and like exploring the world and relationships and things. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, another thing of, like, why I just really love Spider-Man, why I think, like, it works forever. Um, It makes you – like, I'm now 34 years old. It makes me feel young watching a show like this. But when you were a kid, it made you look forward to being autonomous as a young adult. Right, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, like, lots of different stuff happens to you when you get older and you have power to make choices. And unlike – right, and unlike other – when you're a little kid, other, like, characters that are teenagers or young adults that you look up to – Spider-Man's there's like a element of realism to him with mm-hmm. his circumstances because he does he doesn't have much money mm-hmm. you know he's constantly falling on his face in a lot of the ways you know in life uh, he's unlucky a lot of the times he's relatable right. whereas like Zach Morris is a rich asshole or something you know what I mean trash well yeah right the to, right the famous YouTube series Zach yeah, right. Morris is trash uh, but you know what I mean like other characters there's a lot of other characters like Zach Morris who. Or just, like, inexplicably flush with money. Right. Like Ferris Bueller, you know, which I love that movie, but it's, like, another example of... Right. It's like unrealistic. Right, yeah. You know, um, they've got it, like, characters like that have it made in the sun, and you're just watching them, like, succeed at life. Um, whereas Peter, it's... He doesn't always succeed, and it's exciting that he's also Spider-Man, too. Right. And you like that he's kind of scrappy, and he has to kind of figure things out. Right. It's a genius character, really, like, top to bottom. So as Peter's about to go on this new date with Felicia, and is it a date or is he, like, tutoring her or something? He says it's both. He's like, oh, Felicia and my first date, even though I am just taking her to, like, a science exhibition as her tutor. Right. But I guess it's definitely a date. It's a date, though, because Felicia really likes him. I mean, they've already, like we said, they've already, like, had an intimate kiss together. Uh And she likes him despite – she, like, kind of – she was pissed at him after the episode where they did kiss because he's – abandon her at this party when it was under attack but that was just to become spider-man woe is the life of peter when it comes to situations like that yeah uh similar to clark kent in a lot of ways how he's always abandoning lois and superman appears you know mm-hmm. save the day and clark is always says well i was a coward or something like that you know like yeah. i got locked in the bathroom so peter has like similar problems to that um anyway uh while peter is going into felicia's mansion uh he does, He also remarks too that he says, uh, "Wow, her like living room is bigger than Aunt May's entire house." And he says, "I bet the Jets could scrimmage in here." Um, and of course, he's referring to the New York Jets, the football team. Uh, I, I kicked myself when I didn't a few episodes ago the solo one I did. Uh, Peter made a reference to the New York Mets as well, uh-huh. and I just personally I like that uh, that he references real New York sports teams and. Um, Particularly the Jets and the Mets. Uh, if you're a fan of the Mets like myself, you're, you're oftentimes partial to the Jets as well. I just those little character touches are also very realistic to me, and um, they warm my heart as a Mets and Jets fan. Uh, anyway, uh, but meanwhile, danger is lurking outside. Doctor Octopus is 
trolling outside the gates of uh, Felicia Hardy's mansion. She's there to kidnap Felicia, which she does successfully, tears off the roof of her room and kidnaps her. Peter is left in the dust. And uh, Dr. Octopus collapses like a bookcase on him. And I guess he's in no position to swing after Dr. Octopus anyway. Um, uh, later, the FBI arrives at Felicia's house. They don't believe Peter when he says a man with octopus arms kidnapped her. Um, and then uh, we get to meet Felicia's mother, who I think is a semi-recurring character in the show. She comes back many times. She's a rich socialite. Um, and they find a ransom note. Dr. Octopus is holding Felicia for ransom. And uh, it's here we get uh, a couple of backstories rolled into one. First, we get a, a look at Peter's backstory at science camp. Mm-hmm. So it's touching on, again, that Peter is a science genius. You know, it's like it predates his Spider-Man years as well. Uh, we see him experimenting at science camp. The experiment blows up in his face. Everyone's laughing at him. But Dr. Octopus was like a nice, kind mentor. Well, here he's Otto Octavius. Right. It's a real big coincidence. Yeah, it, it is. They know each other. Right. And again, like, all this stuff is, like, sort of, like, weirdly touched on in the Spider-Man 2 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, did we talk about that? Uh, that, like, there's a lot of elements from Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one, that uh, I wouldn't – I haven't read the comics in a long enough time, but – it's seemingly pulled from this episode, be it the cold fusion reaction stuff mm-hmm. and the and the connection between Peter and Dr. Octavius where he was once a good guy, then he turns bad. So here um, we see two sides of Dr. Octavius. He was like a normal, brilliant scientist. But then he was working on some cold fusion experiments uh, and uh, they blew up in his face. He lost funding. Uh, he had to take his experiments underground with less like uh, safeguards. And there's another explosion and it fused his octopus arms, his experimental octopus arms, to his body, and presumably too, like messed up his brain as well. Um, I, I, and they then, don't really talk about that. Yeah, just like the experience kind of drives him insane. He does say something about like neurological something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might be been referencing something else, but right, the experience drives him insane. Insane. He blames the Hardys because they were originally funding his research and pulled it. Right. And and much like in the movie, uh, Doctor Octopus wants to create a new source of fusion, cold fusion energy to bring, uh, you know, a great technological boon to mankind. Um, so uh, pretty interesting how it parallels the movie uh, in this twenty-one minute episode. Um, meanwhile, uh, so Felicia's kidnapped. Uh, J Jonah Jameson has a TV network or something. J three. Right, yeah, because he's JJJ. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Uh, he is also Felicia's – he's friends with the Hardys, as we saw in a previous episode, too. He's connected with them. And he pleads for Felicia to be released. Uh, they they set up a hostage negotiation hotline with Dr. Octavius. Um, when JJ picks up the phone, the FBI and Robbie Robertson tell him to be cool and to keep him on the line. You know, it's standard, like, tracking stuff. But, of course, JJ loses his cool and starts, like, berating Dr. Octopus <laughs> on live television about what a, like, creep, uh, a sick creepo he is and you're everything that's wrong with this country and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, it enrages uh, – he calls him a coward, too. It enrages Dr. Octopus, who then demands that uh, JJ deliver the ransom money himself uh, and to see, like, you're the one who's a coward. J.J., you know, for all his bluster I've already mentioned on the show, is kind of – he does sort of back up his big talk often. You know, he will not, like, kowtow to anyone. He's not like a sniveling coward behind closed doors. He stands up to Spider-Man when he sees him. Yeah, yeah. He stands up to these villains. Um, He – you know, and he has, like, a good – 
like it takes a long time to get to the specific episode, but we see that he has a good heart. Right. You know, he um, like they get into his backstory in one future episode. We'll get to it eventually. Um, but he's an interesting character because he is a blowhard and mm-hmm. he's an asshole, and he he doesn't seem to have many close personal friends. All right. So anyway, um, JJ is delivering the ransom money. Spider Man, of course, is uh, like shadowing over this whole thing because one, he wants to rescue Felicia. And two, he, he has a feeling this is going to go wrong. And um, uh, so he gets him, he, we meet, the Spider-Man meets Dr. Octopus. He's sort of like, you can't tell if he's going to release Felicia or JJ when he captures them. Uh, but when Spider-Man intervenes, it makes Dr. Octopus even matter. And that's, uh, and that's when Dr. Octopus is like, all right, I want twice the ransom and you've got 24 hours and now I've got two hostages. And he sort of disposes of Spider-Man in the East River or something. At the window. So um, Spider-Man has to break this news to Felicia's mother and Robbie Robertson and the FBI. And they're all like, you blew it. Like, you made the situation way worse. He, yeah. he could have let them go. This is the first time, right, where we see the public kind of, like, turns on Spider-Man. And they're like, this is your fault. And Well, he talks about how Robbie uh, Robertson being rough on him really hurts because that guy has defended Spider-Man and he's friendly with with, right. with the character and stuff. He's also friendly with Peter where, when J.J. shits on him yeah. on a constant basis. So it's like, in a way, it's like Spider-Man is still learning to be a hero because in this case, he rushed in and he, he wasn't patient. Right, and he himself has doubts. He's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that because I put them in more danger. Right, so Peter decides to put his Spider-Man costume away for a minute and use his brain as Peter Parker. And in this case, he somehow, like, manages to get in the room with the FBI (laughs) at the Daily Bugle. And he's like, listen, I can talk to Dr. Octopus. I know what he, like, wants psychologically. Yeah, he's like, I knew him when I was a kid at camp. Let me pick up the phone. And, like, inexplicably, the FBI agent lets him negotiate with with Dr. Octopus. This 20-year-old guy. Yeah, two hostages. Right, yeah. I mean, he's like, he's a man of science. I know how to speak his language. So, you know, in this case, it's like a broad stroke, like, leap of faith plot whole but it it still works Uh it's not like that you know he does know the felicia hardy family and stuff he was on a date with felicia so he could have like talked his way into that room he works at the daily bugle as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah so he can he gets on the phone with dr octavius uh dr octavius quizzes him on you know his credentials and stuff and he uh peter like he, he says what do you think of my article on like uh neurological neogenesis or something. And Peter's like, you didn't write that. And he's like, you were testing me. Very well, Mr. Parker. <laughs> I like how uh, Dr. Octavius is more Germanic in this version. Uh-huh. I think he, I don't think he's like exactly supposed to be Germanic. I, I looked him up on Wikipedia. It said the character's born in Schenectady, New York. Oh. So he's an American. Huh. But at the same time, like, there's part of me in the back of my brain that I don't know where I get this notion from that he's just like... Maybe he was created to be one of those, like, German, like, former Nazi scientists that came to America after the war. You know, it was, like, an evil German mad scientist. Like, that was his original incarnation. Hmm. I I could be imagining all this, or maybe it's, like, an ultimate version of him or something. But um, to me, the Germanic version makes more sense. Like, I remember being a little disappointed in Spider-Man 2 uh, when the character was, like, an American guy. Hmm. You know, I kind of like him as a German for some reason. I think he's... (laughs) I don't know, it's just, like, adds more, like, spice to the character's personality and stuff. Hmm. And it seems to make sense with that name and everything. Otto is, like, a, like a Germanic name. Right. Right. Um, 
And again, another character whose like name like uh, like precedes their eventual villainy like way too specifically. <laughs> like Victor von Freeze, like Victor Freeze, Mr. Freeze, right. you know, things like that. Like uh Dr. Octavius, of course, Dr. Octopus turns into that character. So, um anyway, Peter passes the test. Now he's delivering another suitcase full of money. Uh, he discovers that Dr. Octopus is at, like, an abandoned rocket research lab. And I like Peter's comment saying, this is a perfect place for a loony scientist to hole up in. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost commenting on how, like, kind of ludicrous. Spot on it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we see Dr. Octopus is working on his cold fusion battery. Uh, I find that, like, fascinating, like, technology that it's like this weird Marvel technology where you kind of think it, could it, almost be real. Right, it's, like, like, almost based in reality. Like, obviously, there are people researching cold fusion, I think, or at least fusion, you know, energy plants and things in real life. But it's one of these, you know, obviously holy grails of science that has not yet really been achieved or being close to achieved. Um, so in the Marvel Universe, it's, like, that stuff has, like, been invented, you know what I mean? And someone's, like, working on it on the cutting edge. So I always like those touches. Um, here, so um, we really see like how awesome this show is in terms of an animated cartoon when Dr. Octopus is in action, when his arms are flying through the frames, the camera work is so exciting and dramatic and just, and the noise that the arms make too is like perfect sound design as well. The noise is, yeah, the sound design in general in the show is really good. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because now I associate them together because I've seen it so much where the arms have, like, it's almost like a cicada type of sound yeah. to oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? But he says that they're hydraulic, so I kind of feel like it should be, I, I don't know, if I just Piston read it. noise? Yeah. Like and steam like, engine noise? Have the, the audio memory right. from it. I might think it was strange. Whatever. It's, it's such a, a little detail. It's like, it's a more insectoid noise. Exactly. Than a Not octopus noise. I don't know. Hydraulic, Yeah. Either way, it's great. Noise. It's like a, it's but it still, works. It, it works wor- really well, right? And I like the detail. Also, um, you pointed out when we were watching, like there's a moment when Spider-Man like pulls his mask off, mm-hmm. you know, when no one's looking, yeah, and it makes this like slurping sound, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's really stuck to his face. Like yeah. there's so many little details in there that are so good. Yeah, I love all the noises of Spider-Man's costume. They're re- it's real like uh, stretchy elastic noises and things, and kind of. There's something insecty about him too, with those noises as right. well. Right, and the noise the web makes when he shoots it. Yeah, you know, yeah, soaring noise. Yeah, I mean, there's like nothing not great about Spider-Man the character. It's incredible to think that it was just a an illustration on a page for so many years, hmm. but then when you bring it to life, too, how much more life that idea has, and how like what a wonderful like from page to real life. Um, fantasy it is Hmm. you know what i mean just how it works in motion and in just like a static image too so uh really cool and like i said i just it's thrilling to see the camera move along with those arms and just the way spider-man has to flip out of the way of them constantly and they're always like smashing into walls and stone and wooden boxes and things they're really just you could really feel the weight of them and they're really powerful and like clampy and scary yeah whenever he grabs somebody he's always just like a second away from crushing their spine Mm -hmm. and all these things spider-man always like surprisingly cool when he's facing dr octopus despite being tied up by him more often than not so but at this point though uh he grabs peter parker throws him out the window felicia and jj see this and they think he's dead and jj says even parker didn't deserve that and which shows, like, again, like, I don't get why they haven't quite established it yet in the show why 
Jonah Jameson hates Peter Parker. He just he's always giving him a hard time, and he does not speak well of him. You know. Yeah. Well, Parker's. I don't know. He's like a young smartass. You know. I think that's it. You think that's all it comes down yeah. to? Yeah. He like gets in JJ's face. He's not afraid of him. Right. Yeah. That's another thing. Like I like this version of Peter Parker because I think in the Tobey Maguire movies, he's a little more timid around. Jameson, you know, he's a bit more squeamish and a nerd. I mean, he stands up to him a few times, but he gets pushed around. And that might be more realistic in a sense, you know, that Joe Jane and Jameson can never be had by a 22-year-old kid, whatever it might be. Mm. But here, I like it that Peter just is like, he he's brimming with so much confidence, you know, that he, he just thinks that jo- Jam- Jonah Jameson's a... Uh, <laughs> JJ. <laughs> JJ is a huge joke. Um so, uh, anyway, um, Peter, of course, is not dead. He puts on a Spider-Man costume. He goes back in to fight again. Uh, Dr. Octopus, uh, you know, they have an interesting fight. Like, again, more great action in the show. He gets magnetized briefly to the machinery, but Peter has to let him go because his friends are about to get uh, destroyed by, like, a rocket uh, engine that's on, like, a test line uh, that's going to go off. So there's, like, some cat and mouse going on. Eventually, uh, Peter gets the best of Dr. Octopus. He frees his friends, and um, he uh, he subdues Dr. Octopus with the magnet. He gets him just where he wants him. Right. And, and then he flips out the window just in the nick of time. He buries himself under some rubble behind the building. Right. Where, takes off his costume right, somehow. So that Felicia can come out and find him as Peter Parker. And miraculously, he's fine. Right. And he asks for another date from Felicia, and she – I guess she agrees. Yeah. She says something like, oh, I don't normally get taken hostage on a first date. I don't normally let myself get taken hostage, she says. Right, in response to him requesting a second date. Yeah. So, I I mean, obviously they're going to go on some other date again. You know, they're not finished as a couple. Um, And uh, in this case, he, you know, he he had a better outcome. Instead of seeming like a coward, he was able to, as Peter, he was able to seem a bit more heroic in her eyes. Yeah. Uh, So good for Peter and Felicia. And then uh, we see Dr. Octopus in prison, and I love the way he's imprisoned in the show. Uh, they show it many times. They, yeah. like, I guess, like, his arms are sort of magnetized or bolted into the walls of his prison cell, mm-hmm. and he's stuck in the middle. Yeah. And to me, that would be torture, but in Dr. Octopus's mind, he's quite, like, happy about the situation because he's like, oh, this is no bother. I'll, no, no prison can hold me. I'm such a genius, and he laughs maniacally as the episode ends. Um, so really a great character, Dr. Octopus. We're going to, this is just an introduction episode. He's going to get a lot more time to shine in the show and have a lot more interesting episodes and like fun and like danger and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think we're going to see him in this prison again too, uh, which is he'll get freed, but I just like how they call back to this like situation they set up here. Right. So, um, a very good episode. Um, I wouldn't like call it a great episode you know it's funny like this show does the continuity episodes better than i think it does the, the like the sort of one-off introduction yeah episodes. the serialization is a big deal for the this show right yeah so when so the, i'm okay with this one not being like a 10 star episode you know yeah season like one has doing a, some setup right season one has a lot of episodes like this where they set up stuff it's still good it's like, yeah definitely um season two i think from there on it's like endless uh continuity Fun. stuff right yeah <laughs> and it gets way more intense uh this episode you like yeah exactly like you said they have to introduce these characters um it was well done and um dr octopus is a great character so always great to see him mm-hmm. um i always wonder in this show he seems like kind of like i don't think you ever see him outside of that crazy outfit he has to wear the green and yellow like metallic 
yeah, suit. I don't know. And, you know, Maybe he talks that's about... that's fused to him, too. Yeah, right, yeah. And I, I was, like, worried for him as a kid going to the bathroom and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that, at least watching this version of him. Um, so, anyway, yeah, a, a pretty good episode. Um, again, if you're, like, binging them, not watching them one at a time like we are, this is an episode, flies by, like, great little snack, and you would just keep watching, like, the next five episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, you would let the momentum build. Um, by itself, it's it's just it's it is what it is. Um, anyway, uh, that's all I have for this episode. Um, Sonia, any last thoughts on Spider-Man, Doctor Octopus, Felicia Hardy, J. Uh, Jonah Jameson? No, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Okay, so uh, before we go, I'd like to say uh, follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Uh, join the X Men Task Podcast Facebook group where you can interact with us um, and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, on this episode or any of the other episodes or uh, the X-Men series in general. Um, And rate and review the podcast five stars. Uh, Before we go again, um, will this episode have come out after the new year? I think... We're recording it before the new year. It'll be New Year's Eve, I think, when it comes out. On the Monday. That's New Year's Uh, Eve? Yeah. Okay, so Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy 2019. (laughs) Uh, 2018 coming to a merciful uh, finish. Let's hope that the uh, 19th year of the... New millennium is a lot better than the last one. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Yeah.